Thank you so much. Please take your seats. It's always good to be with you on Summit Sunday and to always, I guess, come in with on assignment with, I believe, a prophetic alignment. And this year is actually quite significant because it is a 10-year decade closing off and opening up. And, and when you live your life in decades, you actually can, can actually future fit what is coming in God's promises rather than, you know, um, overestimate what you can get done in a year. Um, you, and we often then underestimate what can get done in a decade. But it's 10 years of summer. And as I was praying into this particular weekend, uh, I was just over at Warner and then on live for Redcliffe as well is for the last week, you know, I've been praying into this weekend and God gave me a word for Pastor Mark and Nina. I've delivered it at Warner, but I, I think for visibility and even for prophetic uh, alignment and accountability on my behalf is it's good for the whole church to hear it. And so I'm going to present this word to you now. Every now and then you'll come into a service and I've done it, is you walk in, the Holy Spirit will speak to you and you just go, right? The prophetic word just flows. Other times he gives it to you early like he wants it to marinate. So I've taken the time to actually write it out. You know it's serious because it's like double-sided. But I'm going to present it to you. I'm going to present it on behalf of my word, bringing what I believe the Lord wants to speak to you as you somewhat celebrate 10 years and step over into a threshold of the next decade. It's been prayed over Pastor Mark and Nina, whom I love dearly. Your family to me. So I don't come as a guest today. I come as family. And, and when I speak over Pastor Mark and Nina, there's a lot of love, but I also want to ensure that we never become familiar with that which is sacred. You can, you can love people and become very familiar, but when you see what God's doing in their life, let's hold, like what I was saying to, to Pastor Mark and Nina in, in, uh, in Warner was, I don't just say this out of love, it's actually out of esteem and honor. And, and may we receive this word with the same. You're part of this word as well. So as you're hearing it, align yourself and be receptive to the prophetic nature of it to say, yes, that's, that's for me. And actually, there'll, there'll be people in here that would actually say, I've been, I, I love the church, I've been attending, but, but this will take you to another level of commitment. Like there will be people in this room that have been waiting for a word like this to say, now I'm totally prophetic aligned. I'm putting my roots down. I'm going to be here for the long game. So may I present this to you. Ten years of the summit is the catalyst of change, expansion, and new territory, unlocking intergenerational blessings and promises. The vision won't change, but the perspective will shift. Stars and sand. From the summit of a mountain, you see the things you know are there. But differently, when you view things with a more macro perspective, you see regions and cities that you could not see unless you shifted your perspective by going to the summit. Northern suburbs of Brisbane might be the emerge base of influence, but it's not emerge's only place of influence. I felt the Holy Spirit say that you have been faithful in and with this city. Your heart's desire wasn't just growing a church, but reaching people in this region and because you have been faithful here, I'm going to make you fruit, faith, um, fruitful there. I'm going to give you more nations than you expect and are comfortable with. <laughs> Stars and sand. 
This is an Abraham and Sarah season of supernatural abundance that will give you children in the nations and will be a season of prosperity with no sorrow. It will be joyful. You will be referred to as father and mother, grandfather and grandmother. You will be honored for the spiritual family you have created from your faithfulness. There will be influential leaders in nations that will call you dad and mum, not out of flattery, but out of esteem and honor. I saw a royal chalice with both your hands on it. That's Pastor Mark and Nina. Your hands, they were rugged but royal, as though you had co-labored with the king. This chalice was being filled to the brim with an overflow from heaven. It was a stream of blessings, promise, and resources that could not be contained, and it kept running over. Then there appeared many different looking cups, different shapes, different looking cups from different cultures around it. And the overflow was flowing into those cups, but the hands that were holding it were from so many different colors representing different and multiple nations. You're creating a royal lineage of sons and daughters, giving them a calling and inheritance, not a line of employees, slaves or orphans trying to work careers. So I believe in the next 10 years, Emerge will expand its already deep well in global and missionary reach, a church of kingdom influence for the least of these. And funding will come from the sacred and the secular. Emerge Church will be known for its international congregation, every tongue and nation, a glimpse of heaven on earth, bringing kingdom unity in the midst of diversity. You will be known in this nation as a church for the nations. And your congregation will represent that. It may look messy, but it will be meaningful. In the coming years, you will be sought after to host community events that connect you to the nations. I saw translation equipment and media and teaching resources translated into multiple languages. This will create a platform and an evangelical opportunity for bilingual leaders. So if you speak multiple languages, God's going to release a platform for you for evangelism. Evangelical opportunity for bilingual leaders to reach their communities and bring them to Christ through this church. Pastor Mark, would you just stand up for a moment? Church, would you just stretch out your hands towards Pastor Mark as he represents both him and Nina? In the next 10 years, you will be spiritually and strategically positioned to release kingdom ambassadors to 10 significant nations. They are coming here and you are going there. You have been faithful and will remain fruitful. This is a trusted home that multiplies the DNA of Jesus. And now this is a season of filling the earth. So look to the stars and see the sand and receive the providence of the Lord. Father, right now we just pray over Pastor Mark and Nina. We thank you, Lord, for their spiritual parenthood that will be multi and intergenerational. We thank you for the nations that they are called to and that the nations that will come here to receive this overflow of blessing, prosperity and resources. We thank you for the Moray Field community that from this word, Lord, there will be expansion and territory taking. The, uh, and I just saw this over Moray Field actually. There is actually, if you do the study statistically, there must be so many nations represented here in Moray Field. So Lord, we speak to the nations that are just here in Moray Field. May they come in and receive the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, into their life and their culture. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, you give Jesus a hand. Um, so you know that copy has been given to Pastor Mark and Nina. And of course, to bring into alignment what God's going to do. But I'm excited for the next 10 years of what the, the kingdom reach will actually be. Get ready to have your mind blown. If God's not blowing your mind in some way, shape or form, we're not praying right. You know, it's, it's an adventure. Christianity is not boring. If we've made it boring, we're not representing Jesus well. And so as I come and land the, the Sunday of Summit, I want to present a thought to you called the God that doesn't fit. The God that doesn't fit. Very often we, we, we create these things. It's human nature. We create these things and we say, God, please bless it. Please bless it. I have a great idea. God bless it. When the whole time he's like, I've got a great idea and it's already blessed. Why don't you just live in that? And even our best laid plans, we could never imagine if we really zoom out far enough to ever think the God that created all of the universe goes, yeah, I'll just fit into your plan. May we not limit the God that created all things who's omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent into our very limited mindset because that's all we can figure out. So today I really want to mess with you. Because the decade that's coming, God wants to make room for creativity, for disruption. I love that word over Jack. A disruptor for the kingdom. See, when you believe you're a disruptor in your own strength, you bring damage. But when you're a disruptor in the kingdom, you bring destiny. You unlock things that you couldn't, you couldn't do in your own strength. So the first mention of, of building in the Bible, and of course there were, you know, Cain and Abel, and, you know, they, they built altars unto the Lord. But the first time humanity ever really built something together as a combined power was in Genesis 11, in the Tower of Babel. But this is what happens when humans really put their mind to building things. If I can go to the next slide, I mean the, the funny picture of the first one. You've got to go to the first picture, that one. Like, like somebody really tried. Somebody was paid. Somebody saw blueprints. Somebody signed off on it. Somebody went, that'll do. Or may, may, maybe it was just one of those moments where it was Friday Arvo, it was time to knock off and someone went, she'll be right. I mean, of course, then there's the door to nowhere with some organizations and some churches. Wish they had. There's an open door for you. I see, a, I see the Lord opening a door for you into a new season. <laughs> Let's get the next slide over. I mean, somebody's going to get fired. Somebody's going to get fired. And somebody wants to have a really efficient staff meeting. No breaks. 
Just wash your hands, I'll have a chat. Again, somewhere a human went, the plan, it'll work. It'll work. Surely, we'll figure it out once we get there. Let's go to the next slide. Um, there has to be a moment. There has to be a moment where the person pouring the concrete had to at least ask themselves a question. Should I, should I keep pouring? Because you can tell it's not like the railway track stops and then starts again. The, ra- the track was already there. Then, of course, you've got the Back to the Future car that's just Elon musking it the whole way. It's like, yeah, now we're future fitting. We're future fitting. But again, we come back to is, is someone saw it on a blueprint, turned up to the site, never asked a question. I just want to tick it off. I got my formula. I need to get paid. I'm doing what I need to do. Have, have, have you ever been in a moment where you've got the tick boxes in line, you're doing the right stuff, but the season that you're in, the season that you're in doesn't match your checklist of what you think God wants you to do. There's nothing wrong with a winter coat if it's winter. But you look out of season. If you're wearing the North Face on the 24th of December in Queensland. So sometimes the right thing in the wrong season is the wrong thing. Go to the next slide over. Is of course there's a staircase to nowhere. And no matter, I always look at this because I go, they're pretty good stairs to be fair. Like he could have been a really talented stair builder. But he didn't ask a question. Why? You can be gifted and not follow God's season and common spiritual sense and end up with something that looks like that. So we get the next slide over. See, the right thing with the wrong blueprint is a frustrating journey. And if you've got a Kurong, you can read enough books. You know, we're def- I love to learn. But here's what I did learn, is every time I tried to copy someone else's model that wasn't in the way God designed me, I would be very frustrated. Have you ever read a book on prayer that made you feel guilty? Then you try to pray that way over and over and over again. And it just doesn't work with you. And the God the whole time is like, stop pouring concrete on a railway track. Yeah. Is I've got something different for you. And, and, and Emerge Church is a spiritually unique place. There is no book you can buy to build what God wants to build for you. It has to be spiritually sensitive. Spirit before strategy. So enjoy it. Don't get frustrated. And so every now and then we look at the tick boxes and go, God, what do I do? What do I do? And he just wants to have fun. I want you to pray the way God wants you to pray. 
If, you, if, if you're connecting with God as you're walking on the beach and just being with creation and hearing from Him, then do that. Maybe it's not sitting at home at a desk. It, it, you've got to figure out what is God's moment with you. But we also can't become religious about how God connects. Have you ever prayed in a way and you just hear, it's just like the river flows, right? And then one day you turn up to do exactly the same thing and it's like crickets. It's not because God stopped talking to you. It's because God doesn't change, but he does move. And we've got to be sensitive to the season, the era, the chapter that we're living in. Say, God, what is it right now? I don't want to be a, a tick box Christian that sticks the boxes, yes and amen. No, I want to be sensitive to the spirit of God in the creativity of God. Picasso said it this way, if we go to the next slide over, is learn the rules like a pro so you can break them like an artist. Learn to pray like a pro and then become creative with it. So then we come to Genesis 11. We go to the first scripture in Genesis 11. It says, Now the whole world had one, had one language and a common speech as people moved eastward. Now when you see the term eastward in the Bible, or east in the Bible, it's a euphemism for people moving away from God. They went east of Eden. Jonah escaped, tried to escape God by running east. You, you see all this movement. They, they're running east. So they're running away from God. This is humanity. People are just trying to move eastward. They found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Let's keep reading. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens. In Genesis, God said, let us make man in our image. Isn't it interesting that when we try to build something inferior, we try to use God language to do it? Let us, let us build a tower. You've got people now going, I think we can do God's job. So there's ways to build that are biblical pattern. And if you heard Pastor Danny, then you'll understand that language is there's biblical pattern. God builds in a particular way. And then sometimes we build in a particular way. And every now and then we spiritualize what we build, hoping that it gets us across the line. But God's pattern is the best pattern. So he keeps going so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, in the King James, it says, lest we. But otherwise, otherwise is a plan B. Have you ever been so compelled by the call of God on your life that you, you know, you, you're going for it, you're doing it, but you do have a plan B in your back pocket. It's an otherwise, it's a lest we. It's a maybe if God doesn't turn up kind of moment. We will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. Come let us go down. They're building something and the whole Trinity has to turn up. Like all three of them. Not just, oh, can you just go down for me? No, it's like all of them. So that they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth and they stopped building the city. That's why it's called Babel. 
because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. It's intriguing to me because I read it and I go, it's a bit mean. God turns up, confuses everybody and then makes them go. Like, is God petty? Like, is he just insecure? Is he just mad? Like, he's like, oh, I don't like the tower. It just doesn't match my aesthetics of what I like. Um, I'm going to go down and mess with him. But it's because humanity decided to build something that wasn't according to biblical pattern. It wasn't in God's heart to build this particular way. So if we go to the next slide after that, it's because what were they trying to escape from? What did they say? What was their otherwise? Otherwise, we will be scattered over all the earth. Their fear was not fulfilling God's mandate in Genesis. What does it say? Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. What was the very thing they were trying to get out of? Filling the earth. Because they had this ability to communicate in a way that brought human oneness, watch this, but not supernatural God oneness. And so they brought this human oneness that said, our smarts will help build something that keep us safe. So their intellects are, we'll be safe and secure, and we will build something impressive, but it's not in line with God's messy mandate. So now it makes sense that God goes, mm, or, you know, the whole Trinity is going to have to turn up for this one. Because when we live in our own humanity of how we build, it's usually built out of a reaction or deficit build Notice why, why were they building? Because they were afraid. Do we build things in our own strength? Because we're actually not just being faithful, we're actually building it because we're afraid that God might just ask us to do the very thing He told us to do. Sometimes the scariest prayers are the ones that are answered. You prayed for a bigger organization, you prayed for a new team, you prayed for a spouse. And then you get one. Sometimes they're the scariest prayers ever. Lord, I want, I, want, I want to pray for the sick and see them healed. Awesome prayer. Until a bunch of sick people turn up in front of you. And now you've got to stand there in front of someone that needs a miracle. And you have to pray. What's that feeling like? Let's go to the next slide over. So it says that they moved eastward. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone. This is really important in the story. Because for the first time, they were using human technology, not God's creation. Bricks had not been invented yet. They made it up. And why would you make bricks instead of using God's creation? efficiency, cleanliness. It's just easier. If you think about it, having to build with all these unique created things by God is just messy. But hey, you know what? If I can make some bricks that just fit neatly, take the edges off, they just fit. Therefore, I can build faster. 
but I can build with things I can control. I can control it, therefore I power. Isn't it so interesting that then years and years later, part of this Israel slavery was to make bricks for Pharaoh. Bricks, when we build with bricks only, we end up being slave to a human pattern, not God's pattern. So they're building bricks and building bricks and building bricks. I've done leadership development for nearly now 20 years. And I remember right at the beginning, I would have, I, and I remember it vividly, taking it on and then realizing I needed a revelation of not coming into agreement with it. I had a leader once tell me, I just need a team in unity. And this is a long time ago. And I need you to take some of their edges off. And it was just language, right? And I get it. Some, some of your some of your personality traits actually probably affect your God purpose because you are not your personality. Like you're, no, you are not your personality. Your personality serves your purpose, right? Not the other way around. But at the same time, you have things called quirks. Things that just make you funny. Like when you feel petrol and you need it to be divisible or an even number or get to the zero. It has to be the dollar value. Or if you're using a remote and your TV volume, it's either an even number or divisible by five. People have different, different things. When they park their car, they have to just have it right in front of them. Right? It has to be even, parallel. There's, we have quirks, right? If I laugh, I have a cackle. If I'm on a live stream at my own church, People will text me that are watching online somewhere else and go, we know you're at church today. One of my best buddies named Phil Power, we both laugh loud. People go, oh, you and Phil are together. It's just quirks. It's just part of who we are. Now, the thing is, is that that's how God created us. And so if I take all the edges off a leader, I just make you a break. But God doesn't make bricks. Humans do. God makes stones. He makes creative, he makes creative rocks and with color and edges and all of those things. And so what these people decided to do is in their oneness of unity, there wasn't unity with God, but only unity amongst themselves. Here's what they did. They said, let's create a technology that usurps God's authority and voice in what we build. I love new technology. I've got to be honest. I'm so grateful for smartphones. I am grateful for all that technology. I really am. But I will never, ever want technology to replace God's creativity. So can we use technology? Amen. But if we use it to replace God's creativity, we lose. So God doesn't make bricks... He creates things that are unique and different. Let's go to the next slide. In Job, Job's having a tough time. No one ever really wants to say, I'm really in a Job season. Job's having a tough time. He's, he's crying out to the Lord and he's faithful, and he's, and he's, but he's that guy. He's just there. He loves God and he's faithful and he's, and he's loyal. And, and yet in the middle of Job's stretch and, 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 and challenge and season of just... 
like hell breaking out in his life, God is sarcastic. He says this, so God's, Job's complaining, and then God turns around and goes, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurement? Surely you know. That's not what I want to hear from God if I'm having a bad day. Or who stretched the line upon it? Watch this. To what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone? The very universe is built and anchored to a cornerstone, not a corner brick. If we keep reading, next, next scripture. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone? Jesus speaking of himself. So God doesn't create bricks. He creates stones and cornerstones and unique things. And if you heard Pastor Joe's session at Summit, it was about being built on the cornerstone. But it's not neat and pretty. Okay, I'll tell you a perfect example. Before becoming a parent, this is how you know God creates unique beings. Before you become a parent, you read the books and you judge parents at Woolies. That's how you know how great your kids are going to be. Because you walk around shopping centers and you go, when I have a kid, they won't be like that rat bag. Losing their mind over lollies at the checkout. Or you see parents spending money on those little machines that go round and round and round. Or, and, and you look at them and you think, that won't be me. Or you see kids eating McDonald's in the trolley. Oh, my kid's only going to eat organic. <laughs> From paddock to plate. You know, that kind of stuff. Um, then, then, then you watch them watching a device. They're like, I'm going to have limitations. Put limits on my kids. Then you have them. Because we actually believe somewhere in our human psyche, we're going to create a brick that I fully control and I take all the edges off and it's going to be clean light. My life will be bricks. And we build, and then God gives us stones. And it's no pun intended with my name, it's just part of the sermon. But God gives us stones, right? With edges and personality, and personality just like yours. I mean, it is statistically, psychologically proven that the kid you will fight with most is a mini version of you. And so here you go. So you're going, I've got, I've read the books. I mean, Alison tried to put Isaiah on a sleeping rhythm three days in because she read it in a book. That book got thrown out like four days later. Because he was unique. Elizabeth, unique. They come from the same DNA, totally different personalities. It's like you try to predict this brick, but you never get it. So God doesn't give us bricks that are easily controllable. So why would we try to build with them? He says, do something that is unique. All of creation is anchored to God's creativity, not brick making. Then it says that they tested it themselves. They baked it thoroughly to test it themselves. That's like you doing an exam 
and then testing it yourself and giving you your own mark that you wanted. It does sound good, especially for my math results. But if you build something but God can't test it, you actually don't know how good it really is. And so they not only create bricks for themselves with their new technology, they test it themselves, which means it's not a valid test. How many times have we built things in our own strength, tested it ourselves and went, we're good. We're good. I'm glad I don't test cars' safety mechanisms. I'm glad there's, there's a standard. And the standard isn't being boring. The standard's going, God, how, to, to us, God speaking to us, going, how creative can you be? So let's go to the next slide. If we keep moving. So is our life built with bricks or stones, self-effort or God? So have a look at your schedules. Have a look at your life and go, have I just created my life to be bricks? Everything has to fit neatly. Everything's controllable. Because whenever we control everything, it's a lot of self-effort. Because it says that they wanted to build a tower that reached the heavens. Which meant whatever they were building with their bricks and their effort and their cleanliness of clean lines and order and control, what were they really trying to do? They were saying, I want to get to heaven with our own effort, without needing God to get there. So I'll build with bricks. And so then God says, we better mess with them. Let's go to the next slide. Erwin McManus would say this, our faith is not a manuscript of conformity, but rather a manifesto of creativity. If you're ever bored in your Christian faith, ask the Lord to show you where you can, number one, be more creative. But number two, the better question is, how can I serve more? Because as soon as you serve more, you'll become more creative. Let's go to the next slide. So then it goes on and they said, come, let us build ourselves a city, a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. This is dangerous. Because when humanity gets together, they're like, let's make a name for ourselves. Now, this is a personal revelation to me, so this is not superimposed onto you. But I would often, this is, you know, I, I grew up when MySpace was first introduced. Right? Some of you are like, what? What's MySpace? And then Facebook came in and, and then Twitter and all of that. Like it, I, I've been through the, the, the evolution of technology. And, and over a time you realize this. And if you follow me on social media, you'll see that I'm pretty careful with how I put things up. I'll tell you why. Because you guys know Pastor Jenny Gilpin? Yeah. Pastor Jenny Gilpin works with my organization when we consult not-for-profits. And... She once said in one of our staff meetings, she was the leader of doing the devotions that week, and she said, I just want to tell you this, Andrew, when you're marked by God, you don't need to mark it. And I want to encourage some of you today. I'm not, number one, I understand business and organizations, right? I'm not against marketing. I'm not against doing your social media well. I get all of it. But here's what you need to know, is that when God creates something for you, He also brings the provision in it. So that you're not constantly taking selfies, hoping, hoping to leverage with the person that's next to you to impress someone you don't even know that knows you. 
And that's some of the challenge. We've got to realize if we're kingdom leaders, are we taking a photo with someone because we genuinely want to show them the power of our relationship? Or are we actually leveraging their face in order to impress someone else? And it goes quiet when I say that. But that's okay. Because when God builds for you, you don't need to make a name for yourself. I want to give you the encouragement if you're in business or in ministry or in, or in any kind of uh, connection, engagement with the world. And you're saying, God, I want to grow. I want to build. I'm ready for prosperity. I'm ready for all those things. I want, I want to give you the encouragement that if you're in line with God's pattern, you don't need to market your own name. God will make your name great. If we go to the next slide, I'll show it to you in Genesis 12. This is God speaking to Abraham. He says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. When we make our name great, we're not always a blessing. We're a pain in the backside to everybody. Because it's all about you. And we have to decide, are we building monuments to ourselves? Or are we building masterpieces that show the glory of God? He said to Abraham, one chapter after Genesis 11, like one chapter, I just keep thinking to myself, I think there's a wink, wink, nudge, nudge here in the Bible. They wanted to make their, their name great, so I messed with them. Abraham, you've come under me. I won't, I, if you take this nation, if you're obedient to me, I will make your name great. And I'll give you a nation. Let's go to the next slide over. I'll show you the difference is when we make a name for ourselves, we end up building a tower. When God makes a name for us, we build nations. And we've, we can decide that today. If we're going to build the next decade strong for Emerge is we don't want towers. Towers are a lot of work and no personality. But oh, if God gives us nations. God gives us nations. We go when they come. What if God gives us nation? We don't need to think about our name. God does it for us. And we will be a blessing. Let's go to the next slide. And then it says this. So the Lord scattered them from there all, over all the earth and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Baal. Because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. I'm a clarity coach. I do this all the time. I bring people to a point of clarity. But here's what I do know. That there are moments when God confuses us to bring us to his clarity. And sometimes our own clarity can lead us to more confusion. This is what I mean. When you plan your whole life like a brick, you go, oh, I've got clarity. This is exactly what it looks like. And then... Imagine being one of the builders at the Tower of Babel and you have this crazy idea. I'm going to go outside. I'm going to go find something unique and different with edges on it and colors and all of that different shape. And you heave it back to the foreman that's leading that part of the tower. And you go, we got to fit this in somewhere. Look at it. It's a masterpiece. It's got to fit somewhere. What is their response? This is why Jesus would say the builders rejected the cornerstone. Because anyone building with bricks would look at something unique as that and go, it doesn't fit. It doesn't work. Oh, it could be beautiful. It could be wonderful. It could have great edges on it. But sorry, it doesn't, it doesn't work. 
And when we have clarity with bricks, when Jesus actually turns up wanting to be involved in our life, we go, sorry, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's too creative. It's too messy. It's too different. It's too disruptive. Jesus, can you just be over there? We'll just build this here because we're going to work out and get in touching the heavens. They didn't have excavators back then. So in order to build a high tower, they would have had to have a really big base and then be skinnier at the top. So when we build with our own hands and our own strength, what happens usually is it looks inclusive and very broad at the bottom. But the higher we go, the less people get to see God. Because we build it in our own strength. So if we go to the next slide over. Their own clarity led them to confusion, but God's confusion led them to clarity. And I'm grateful God confused them. Sometimes confusion is not the devil behind the curtains trying to get you. Sometimes confusion is God saying, I want you to leave something inferior to walk into my destiny for you. The tower wasn't inherently evil. If I could have the musicians up, please. The, the, the tower wasn't inherently evil. It, 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 it was just a tower. And God is so kind. He didn't just like have a big storm and have everything just fall apart. He didn't do any of that. He actually came down to humanity. Sound familiar? He came down to humanity and he said, this isn't my best for you. I'm going to make something happen that brings out my mandate in your life. So every now and then we'll see a tower. We'll build a tower even. And we'll say, yeah, but it's not evil. That tower of relationship maybe or tower of even ministry or workplace or job, career. That tower might not be evil. I'm not saying it is. But is it inferior? to what God actually has for you. Where He says, I called you to fill the earth. And now you've settled because you want to be safe in this job or this relationship. Or, like, I want you to do something in my mandate for the world. Don't settle for a tower. So some of you might be confused in this room. And it might have been a season of confusion. Maybe God is just getting you to walk away from a tower into the fulfillment of the divine mandate over your life. Would you stand up to your feet and let me pray for you this morning. Would you close your eyes and just get ready to receive. I feel that in this moment that there are some of you that would even say, I have built things in my own strength. They're not bad. They're just not the best. We know the difference between bad and good. But it's very difficult sometimes to see the difference between good and great. And so, Lord, today over this community of faith, this group of people, this family that is called Emerge Church, I pray right now that there would be a disruption in their hearts, a meaningful mess in their soul that would bring them to a point where they say, God, I want nations, I want cities. I'm ready to walk away from a tower that I've built in my own strength with my own blueprint. But God, I want your pattern in my life. I want your pattern in my life to see me fulfill 
and to be fruitful and to multiply and fill the earth. I'm just going to ask with every eye closed and head bowed in this place. There may be some of you in this room that say, Andrew, I just want to, I, I want to make an action here. If you believe you have built a tower in your life that you say today is the day that's in my rearview mirror, I do not want to build around this tower anymore. I built it out of fear. I built it out of anxiety. I built it out because I'm fearful of what you have actually called me to do. I, but I, but I, I'm, I'm protecting myself. It's a self-protection mechanism. But, but you're saying today, God, I'm ready to say yes to adventure. I'm ready to say yes to the nations. I'm ready to fill the earth with what you've called me to do. Would you just raise your hand in here? Every eye is closed. It's all right. This is actually between you and God. Thank you for those hands. Right now, over every person that is represented with their hands raised, Lord, today, I thank you that you will give them a spirit of courage, that you will give them, Lord Jesus, a moment of clarity in the midst of their confusion. There will be decisions that you make to this week coming that will allow you to walk away from that tower. I want to just encourage some of you with your hands raised that, the superimposed expectations of family, of boss, of all those other voices that have come into your life that have made you settle for a tower. God's got something better. So I pray right now for bold faith, courageous faith, and spirit-led clarity that will lead you out of confusion into God's fulfillment and mandate for your life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. God bless you all real good. And I love you all. Very much.